did you get to experience any of the sort of specialty cocktails on board? So Nightingale's has that cocktail that I saw someone the other day say, I love drinking this drink out of a bird's butt. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo Podcast, brought to you by My Path Unwinding Travel. And I have to start as I always do. Welcome, Sam. It's been a little bit of a harrowing morning with your electronic setup, but uh, welcome. <laughs> yes, thank you for welcoming me. I have to tell you that there's no Topo Chico in my green room, and I'm a little upset about it. So uh, I do have an iced Americano here sitting with me, but it's 10 in the morning and I could really use a Topo Chico right now. So where is Eddie, the bartender, when you need him? Oh, you want the oh, hard that's... you want the hard Topo Chico, not yeah, even yeah. just like a... Just, yeah, okay. All right. Well, I'm I staring at an empty in... Starbucks cup, so you're one step ahead of me. So there you go. Well, listen, Eddie, <laughs> Eddie is still on The Wish. Uh, shout out to Eddie, who is our favorite bartender. I'm sure he's not listening to this podcast, um, but he was awesome. So... <laughs> Well, we also have to welcome a very special guest. I want to welcome Stephanie to the show. Welcome, Stephanie. Hello. Thank you. We have been excited to chat with Stephanie because we had Bill Panoff from Porthole Cruise Magazine on not too long ago to chat about Disney Cruise Line and interacted with Stephanie and scheduling him to be on the show and learned that Stephanie has been on more than 50, we'll get to her exact number in a second, more than 50 Disney cruises and many more non-Disney cruises beyond that. So we've got a real cruising expert on the show today we pale in comparison with our 15 so yeah and, <laughs> and and seriously stephanie you are more of like a disney cruise line expert than bill so, <laughs> <laughs> so funny. it's crazy i've done so many of them i just realized over time like wait a second these are starting to add up so it's great well, let's let's talk about that for a second stephanie how did you get so enamored with disney cruise line how how have you gotten to the i think off here you said 58 Disney cruises that you've been on. How does that happen? Yeah. So basically when I was six years old, my parents took us on our first Disney cruise and we live in South Florida. So they really wanted a vacation that was easy and got every age group of our family involved. So they said, let's go on a Disney cruise. Let's try it out. And ever since then, that's when we were hooked. And my parents went to Palo on the magic and they were just amazed by the food. And every night they would go to Palo. My sister and I would like eat at the Oceaneers Club or figure something out for ourselves. But it became kind of a routine over time. We were going on cruises frequently. It's such an easy drive. Port Canaveral, so much fun going there. Always looks for the Banana River. Just really something that all of us could do together. My grandma sails with us and my twin sisters. So my twin sister and I always went into the Oceaneers Club. And then we grew up and went to Edge, then Vibe and the Lab. You know, every part of our childhood, we were able to really each youth activity and see the ship from a different perspective. It was really special and we really loved it from a young age and we just kept on going. So having that be such an important family vacation route for us was just so special. And then being able to do it now professionally is even better. That's awesome. Now, when you sail now, are you sailing solo? Are you sailing with friends, with work colleagues, or do you still sometimes sail with your sort of family and extended family? Yeah, so it really depends. For work, I usually go on other cruise lines, but most recently in the Wish, I went through work, which is really a full circle moment. But I also do still like sail Disney with my family. So kind of like back and forth, but mostly still Disney cruises. So still going strong there. How many total cruises have you been on, Stephanie? 
I would say roughly 67, maybe or 68 cruises total. And it was so weird for me. The first time I didn't go on a Disney cruise because I totally did not know where I was going. I was confused. And I feel like a first time cruiser because I was so used to going on the magic dream, fantasy or wonder. And I'm here on a different ship, which was huge. My first ship actually, after you know going on Disney was an MSC ship and MSC ships are humongous. So I had no idea where I was going. And I was like, where's Cabanas? What's going on here? So <laughs> it, was, it was funny. It was really funny. And, and which cruise lines have you sailed? You mentioned MSC, Disney. Who else have you uh, experienced? Yes, I've done MSC. And I also did Hall in America, which was great. It felt like that small ship feeling, which was very nice. And Royal Caribbean. So those are the three that I've done so far. I'm actually going to Europe on an NCL ship with my family. And they've all never cruised out of Disney. So we're going in September. Should be interesting for them. Well, we wanted to talk to you about the exciting new offering from Disney, The Wish, uh, that we just got off of and we've had a bunch of shows about. And so love talking about this new ship and really just getting a bunch of different perspectives about it. And so wanted to get the perspective of that seasoned Disney Cruise Line cruiser who's grown up with the cruise line and has some experience with some other ships. And so, Steffi, let me start with first impressions. So, you know, you pull up to the ship and uh, I think... a lot of folks have remarked she looks very similar to the other ships. But what were your what were your first impressions of the Wish? And when you stepped on board, what was your first impression of the ship overall? Yeah, so when we came over, I'm always drawn to the top of the ship. So I was looking at the slide. I was scoping it out, see what was going on there. And it felt similar to the Aqueduct, but you could obviously see the differences, which is amazing. So that was like my first real impression of it. I was so excited about that. And then just seeing like how long it was, that was really exciting also because we did have that christening ceremony outside. So everyone was so close to the ship. We were all staring at it. So you're really able to see everyone's excitement and how people were really connecting to the new ship and just saying all the things that they noticed at first hand. And for me, it was really just how much bigger it was and how it was sitting. It was so beautiful too, because it was still pulling in a little bit. So we were able to really see it come into port, which was amazing. So then getting onto the ship, coming into the lobby, I just couldn't even believe what I saw. It felt so open and big. And you know how like that showcasing feeling is on the right side where it kind of looks like a stage. I mean, I thought that was so special. And I was just picturing everything going on in dinner, like, you know, before you go into a dinner restaurant and how that place really lights up outside. So I was just picturing all of that and being able to walk on there and already see all the excitement and what will happen next. I think that was really special. And I also noticed immediately guest services looked so different. I was <laughs> yeah. looking up to see the huge long desk and I was like, wait, what's going on here? These are like little booths, which is so modern and classy, but also a classic take on kind of the guest service area. So those were kind of my first initial takeaways, but I really liked how stunning it was and just elegant. I think the word that comes to everyone's mind is elegance because it's so nice and clean and it just feels so crisp in there. It's just such a different look than the other ships, but it still has that dream feel. It's really drawing on that main idea, but just making it more modern, I guess you could say, but also having that princess feeling, that royal feeling that was really tapped into the lobby, I think. I totally agree. I think especially in on the wish, your eye gets drawn immediately to that big, beautiful chandelier. Well, you do get a lot of that impact for on the dream and the fantasy. I'd say less so on the wonder and the magic just because the atrium is so much smaller. But on the yeah, on the dream and the fantasy, it, you walk into this beautiful atrium, but the there's something just more grand about the wish's grand hall 
be that it be bigger or or the that chandelier that's just incredible, the stage, everything. It, it's just it makes a bigger impact, don't you think? Yeah, it definitely does, and you can really see how entertainment is placed onto the wish. It's so important and it's a main piece of it. And I think that's what they're really trying to convey through the shift because so many of the spaces are built specifically for entertainment. Speaking of entertainment, what did you think of that welcome uh, wish, I will call it, with uh, there's a, you know, some stage performers who come out and you do a wish and you get a wishing wand at the very beginning, right after you've come in and had your family name introduced as you walk on. What did you think of that new experience, new show? I think it's really special, especially for little kids who come on. They're already very overwhelmed with what's going on. And then they get a wand and they're super excited and engaging with everything. I think it's a really nice way to personalize the experience. So I think it's not only something that's new for Disney, but it's also exciting and kind of involves the whole family. So Stephanie, I'm curious, what kind of stateroom did you have on board for your sailing? Because you were on one of the preview cruises. So what kind of stateroom did they give you? So I had the Moana-themed stateroom, and it was a deluxe ocean view stateroom. Very spacious. And what I like the most about it is the new bathrooms. I think everyone's talking about that. It's so new and so innovative how they made everything so spacious in there, but it's so updated too. So I really like that. And there's like a nice little tub in there. So little kids for baths or even adults. I mean, if you could fit in there, awesome. So it's great that they have all those new features. But the theming the theming of these rooms is amazing. I love how each deck kind of has its own motif and feeling. And everyone was asking what room we had. So people were in Princess and the Frog or we were in Moana. And everyone just had their own takeaway from it, which is really special. We had a Princess and the Frog room and we really enjoyed that. Of course, each, you know, it's like every other room. So you don't know what you're going to get uh, mm-hmm. as far as theming unless, I guess, if you're sailing on a, a later cruise, you can start choosing staterooms based on the theming. But we obviously were not able to do that ahead of time. But I, we were pretty happy with that. What did you think of the storage? That's the one thing, you know, we've talked about this a, a little on the show and we, we thought the storage was kind of lacking uh, as compared to, let's say, the dream, the fantasy, but even compared to the the wonder. But I wanted to kind of get your impression. Yeah. I mean, I was definitely a bit thrown off when I was putting things in this area in the room and I thought that there was storage there and there was just nothing there. So I was a little bit confused. And my sister had the same thing because we're usually you know, used to sharing it with my parents' room. So we're trying to figure out where to put our stuff. It's only the two of us, but you're definitely a little confused there because you would think, you know, more storage or any difference in it. So that was definitely interesting. But I did notice like some of the outlets were moving around a little bit too, like they were in different places. And so, yeah, I definitely noticed that for sure. Stephanie, I'm curious to know how you felt about sort of the general layout and flow of the ship um, because you're somebody who's been on all four of the other ships. And as you you know mentioned when you went on an MSC cruise, you were like, "Where's Cabanas?" Right? Um, yeah. Exactly. And I kind of feel like that you might have had a similar experience getting on the Wish, but I'm curious as to what you thought of the sort of overall layout and flow of things. Yeah, it was interesting for me for sure because the Bayou area that was just I mean the way it's laid out is kind of like a little city. You know, it feels like there's some stores there, and then there's a hyperspace lounge. And I was definitely a little bit confused trying to figure out where all the different areas were as far as bars. What I like about it is it kind of gives the theming more pull and more of a grasp because you feel like you're really immersing yourself into these environments as they're not all necessarily quote unquote together. 
as like the district was or other spaces on the smaller ship. So I think it took me some getting used to and I definitely got confused a few times. But I think it allows for more of like a calm space area. Like for example, the Nightingale bar, which is so pretty and so sophisticated and also the smaller spaces around. But having it kind of scattered is a little bit confusing. And I think it would take me some more time to get used to when I go on again. But I think there are reasons for it. But at the same time, it did make for a little bit of confusion there and the elevators too. So definitely some technical things like that, that were a little bit confusing for me at first. Yeah. And I'm curious if you have any predictions about whether or not people will just kind of get over the differences once they get used to the layout, or if you think that, or if you have any thoughts about whether or not they're going to revert back a little bit for ship six, because I think, you know, they're, they've started construction on ship six, but I don't think they're far enough into construction to not make changes. I mean, I think they still could make changes. And I just wonder if you have any predictions about whether or not that backlash is going to impact Disney or people just get over it. I mean, I think so personally, just because even Quiet Cove, that area is completely different. I saw a lot of people that were confused and a little upset about, you know, where it was and the placement and the pool size. So I think things like that are definitely to be looked into for the next ship. That's my prediction, just because the adult spaces do matter so much in comparison to the kids' spaces, because it's so important that everyone in the family is happy. And that's something Disney does a great job focusing on. So if they don't get it completely right, On one of the ships, they usually tweak it for the next one. So I think there's going to be some tweaks with the adult areas, if anything. But I'm thinking also maybe with Edge and Vibe, because they are so similar on The Wish, which I wasn't really expecting. I think there might be some changes there too. What do you think about that whole thing where Vibe and Edge kind of look almost exactly the same? Do you think that it's something that is great for like the modeling purpose? Do you think that a lot of kids and teens were pulled there because they were so different? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think they're both beautiful spaces. I know they're they're kind of similar, for, you know, to the how they look on the other ships. But I just think that that's not the audience that Disney is focused on. I know that I hate to say that because the the kinds of activities that are done in in Edge and Vibe are very different than the Kids Club, right? The Oceaneers Club, and so. I think as long as they have, you know, games and stuff available for that age and the video games available for that age, I don't really think they're going to do a whole lot of tweaking. I don't think they're going to invest the kind of design work that they invest in the Oceaneers Club because I I do think I I agree with you though on the adult areas. I think they're probably going to do some tweaking there. I'm not sure exactly what they'll do, but I will say Nathan who is, you know, who is 8 and a half, um, so he's a couple years away from being in the tween club. Uh, he really liked the space, but he really liked the space because it had all those video games in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a draw, right? That's a- <laughs> so I, what I also love is that they put Vibe right next to the indoor basketball space. So yes. on the one hand, Nathan kept wanting to go up there and play and it was overrun. But I don't think that that would have been solved for even if they had moved the space someplace else. But um, I know that the the teens and tweens love to hang out in that space. So it was great, I think, to put it so close in proximity so they don't have to uh, to run all over the yeah. ship to get there. Kind That's of a really so good That point. was a good idea. The only mm-hmm. thing I will say, though, I think it's a little weird that the teen and the tween club are not near each other on this ship. So, yeah, Ed- Edge being kind of in the heart of the action felt a little weird to me that it wasn't, yeah, that it wasn't closer to maybe the vibe. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I thought the same thing. And also, just I was in vibe for such a long time, it felt like we were going a lot when I was in high school. And I was in vibe on the dream. That was the vibe I was always at. 
So when I saw how similar they looked, I was like, wow, this is so interesting to me because you know, they look so different on the dream. The sun jacket vibe and then those indoor like pods where you can charge your phone sometimes if it works, you know, that type of thing. But yeah, it's interesting to see kind of like how they change things. And to your point, there's not really much time that the teens are spending in the space anymore because they're going exploring the ship, but also they're playing video games. And I feel like that's kind of the target cruiser when they were creating the space. They knew that there were kids that wanted to play video games all day. There were kids that wanted to go on the slides and swim and interact and just run around. So I think they did a good job with the space for that reason. Well, and it's interesting because on the preview cruise that you were on, there probably weren't very many kids, right? So it's, it's, and on even on the maiden voyage, there weren't very many kids. So I think it will be interesting to see how different paid cruisers are going to experience those spaces over the next, you know, few months and, and what feedback Disney will get from that. I think so too. It was definitely interesting seeing not as many kids at the pool, but there were a lot of adults on our cruise because, you know, it was media preview sailing. So they were really getting the amenities of Quiet Cove. And that's when I saw how crowded it gets over there. So I was just wondering if there's going to be any changes to kind of make that flow a little bit better. So it was interesting to really see how quickly it gets packed because, you know, in the morning, you try to get there as fast as you can to get a lounge chair, but the lounge chairs are kind of spread apart from the pool and it's a whole different dynamic now. But I think, you know, well, actually, I want to ask you about the the family pool decks, right? Because you bring up a good point. We've got the the adult pool deck area over by, well, the Quiet Cove and it's right near Cove Cafe as well, which is now sort of out of the way of all the family pool deck stuff. But I wonder what you thought about the family pool deck, because that's where I think they made the biggest changes or biggest deck changes, I should say on sort of the look of of that deck 11, 12, 13 area. It's so different. And I like how it really plays into the entertainment, as I mentioned, because from that multi-layered pool look, you can look right into the main stage area by, you know, the the big funnel vision and everything. And you can watch movies with your family. And I think also it's better for parents because they don't feel so overwhelmed by that big family pool that everyone has to pack into on the other ships. And it's such a different dynamic. And I I personally don't really go into the family pools that often because I go to Quiet Cove. But just kind of being around there so much and taking so many pictures, I noticed that the flow was a lot calmer. And people were in a pool, maybe like two people or three people at a time. But that was my feeling because it was so quiet and everything. But I think it really plays into the shows that are on the main deck or even if there's just something small going on that the attention's focused to the entertainment. So that's what really makes it significant. I think that's a great point. That was our experience. Even So even on the maiden with with regular passengers, as we were, it w- there were actually a lot of adults without kids hanging out in the, the Goofy and the Donald pool in particular, which are the ones that are sort of up one level from the main pool deck, but you can see right you know, right directly to Funnel Vision. We loved that area and found that it wasn't kid soup. There were so many more pools available and it was much nicer than the family pool decks on the other ships because you did not feel that crowding. You just felt like there was, everybody was more spread out because of it. Speaking of the pool decks, we can't leave the pool deck without talking about the Aqua Mouse. Uh, did you get a chance to try the Aqua Mouse? Was it running on your preview cruise? We heard it's had some issues occasionally. <laughs> I went on it once. My sister went on it three times, which I don't know how she did that. I was barely able to get on once. And she just told me one random day that she wrote it three times. So it was really cool. Really, really cool. 
How did how would you compare it to, let's say, you know, the aqueduct on uh, on the dream and the fantasy? Because I think it's the most similar uh, to to that ride. Yeah, I mean, I think the technology is really cool, really immerses you into the cartoon. But I think the speed on the aqueduct is so fun. And the adrenaline you get when you make that first turn is so exciting. So I think I'm drawn a little bit more to the aqueduct for that reason. I think what's cool about the aqua mouse is that people who don't like that really quick motion or anything crazy can go and like relax on a slide to have that awesome experience and still hit some faster areas. But overall, such a nice immersive technology experience because all this advanced technology that, you know, on different ships is put in different places is put on a slide. And this is like the first time it's happened. So I think it really depends on the type of cruiser that's going on the slide. But I think it has something for everyone. Yeah. I just wish it was longer. I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah, I think so too. Well, I also wanted to ask you, Stephanie, when we're talking about pools, there's the adult pool area and the infinity pool off the back. Did you get a chance to check that out? On our sailing, it was very crowded. Uh, I don't know if it got crowded on the preview cruises or not, but what did you think of that new adult area for the on the pool deck? It was really crowded for me as well. I didn't get a chance to go in, but I definitely scoped it out to kind of see where everything was. And I think it's really a beautiful area and it's luxury. It's nice. It's very relaxing. I do wish there was, you know, it was more spread though, and there was more room and more space just outside, but the inside is huge. That inside area really grew, I feel like. And it's really nice. It still has that feeling from the other ships, but it's definitely expanded and gives more of that. I feel like a lot of the spaces on the ship, not to drift too much, but I think it's really appealing towards like kind of the working remotely type of feeling where people can plug in and kind of, you know, watch they need to watch or work from the ship and I think that area is really serving that purpose as well. So I wish that, you know, the pool area is a little bit bigger and spread out more, but the inside area of Quiet Cove is fantastic. So speaking about the pool decks, since we're still, we're talking about that before we leave the pool decks, I feel like we have to talk about the new quick service food on the pool decks in particular, because that's one of the biggest changes that sort of everyone's buzzing about. So I'm curious what you thought about the new offerings and the food quality. Yeah. I mean, every single person I talked to who went and got barbecue or Donald's Cantina was just all over it and so excited. And I love Donald's Cantina. Like It was delicious. And I think I had it like two or three times during my three-day cruise, which is kind of crazy. But it was really good. It's such a cool change from the usual thing that we're used to in the other ships. They really brought in some interesting flavors. And it was exciting. I think everyone felt that too, because it was so new. We're all experiencing it for the first time. So having that new great quality, which we have in all the other ships, but more of a fast food format on the other ships. And this is more okay, we have a lot of flavors going on here, different types of cuisine. So I really loved that part of it. And it was delicious. I can't believe you ate it three times. I mean, I loved it. I was excited. I was I couldn't believe they had something like that, which was really nice. So I was definitely there a lot. I think the people knew me that were behind. I was like, hey, guys, I'm back. <laughs> 
Well, we need to take a quick pause in the action here to thank our amazing show sponsors over at My Path Unwinding Travel. You know, Sam and I have gotten to know the agents over at My Path Unwinding Travel over time, and they are just so knowledgeable, so wonderful, so responsive, so welcoming. They have a great set of communities built on Facebook where they answer people's questions. We know that if you decide to book your next vacation with My Path Unwinding Travel, you will have a wonderful, wonderful experience. So if you are looking to book your next fabulous Disney Cruise Line vacation and adventures, by Disney Vacation, maybe you've been eyeing an all-inclusive resort vacation, head over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash DCLDuo to book your next fabulous vacation. We know you'll have a fantastic experience. And with that, back to our episode. So Stephanie, did you get a chance to try out the new Marceline Market? The I think everyone is just calling it Cabana's 2.0 at this point because the food offered in there, I feel like there was a hype from Disney about it being something different than what it turned out to be. I'll just, I'll make that comment. But what did you think of Marceline Market? The charcuterie boards. That was cool. I've never seen that at Cabana's. I mean, I think you could probably make it on the other ships, but this was cool because it was pre-made and I felt like I could just go to my table and it was there. So I enjoyed the sophistication of the area. It felt very much like just new and fresh and something different that Disney hasn't done in a type of buffet space before. So I enjoyed kind of like the slowness of it, being able to really relax and unwind and the little bar areas and the water views were amazing. Yeah, I liked the new layout. I didn't feel like the food was all that different with a couple of exceptions. Um, obviously, the charcuterie board is is one of those. And then there were those, forget what they called them. I'm going to call them specials, but they're not. there was a one area that had kind of, kind of some new offerings. And then the layout of the, the sort of the kids food area was fantastic. But other than that, I felt like most of the food was pretty much the same or similar. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, Cabanas isn't my favorite place to eat on the ships, but it'll do. So I guess we should talk about main dining then, since obviously uh, you were on a three-night cruise. So I'm assuming you got to go to all three of the main dining restaurants. So tell us what was your favorite and what did you think of the, the theming and all of that? So I loved all of them, honestly. They were all pretty cool. The Frozen one was so fun to just be at and to see all the kids so excited to see Olaf, which I know Olaf has some problems sometimes, as seen on Twitter and TikTok, but he was doing great on my cruise. He was thriving. He was all around the restaurant. So that was really cool to see. And just the vocals in there with all the entertainers. And oh my gosh, it was just such a cool experience. The food there, I don't think it was my favorite restaurant, but it was definitely cool to try something new. I think I had the scallop dish, if I remember correctly. And mm, that was so good. Yeah, that was really good for sure. And I don't remember what else I had, but I know I had that because I remember like the scallops were delicious. So that was really good. And I just really loved the way that they put Frozen into this restaurant. It wasn't just like crazy Frozen stuff. It was so relaxing and it felt like you were at this engagement party and it was really fun. What did you guys think of the Frozen restaurant? Oh, I loved it. I, you know, I, it it was actually probably my favorite favorite on food. If I, I know that sounds crazy. I know a lot of people love 1923, which 1923 was, you know, elegant. And I, I did enjoy that as well. But I, I actually really liked, I had the, 
I'm going to call them Swedish meatballs. I know it's not there, like Nor- Norway or whatever, but they were similar to Swedish meatballs to my palate, I will say. Um, yeah, I actually really liked the food there. Loved that scallop uh, appetizer It that looks like it's in like a bread bowl and it's kind of like a soup almost or stew. I thought that was fantastic. And I thought the show was great. I will say when we had our second cruise, because we did the back to back, we asked Nathan which restaurant he wanted to skip between Marvel and Arendelle because we hadn't gone to 1923 on the first cruise because of some adult dining and we were doing the same for the second cruise. He actually chose to not go back to Arendelle. But I think that's just because he likes Marvel over Frozen. I don't think it's a any knock on on Frozen. I yeah, but I I really yeah, I really in, enjoyed the I thought the show was fantastic in in the restaurant and I loved I just loved Olaf. I thought he was the way they did the animatronic Olaf was brilliant and that he comes around mm-hmm. to you know, comes around the restaurant. The one thing about that restaurant is it's quite tight cuz yes, of the stage. I noticed that too. Yeah, it's a it's a very small space. So they're cramming all these tables in because they also have that stage. So it's just you do feel like you're like on top of the table next to you, and the other restaurants. Not that they're not close, also, but it's it's more so in Arendelle than any place. Yeah, I mean, I think Marvel is a little bit tight, but I didn't really feel it in 1923. Yeah, I, I think for Arendelle, the other issue is that. We've heard from others now. There, there are good sight lines and bad sight lines. So I think your enjoyment of the overall performance, uh, if your cruise is really full, can be impacted if you don't have the greatest sight line to the show. But I thought the food across the board was excellent in main dining. Since you mentioned it, Stephanie, what did you think of 1923? I really loved it. And I loved the art, the artwork around and all the beautiful. Just I just loved it. I felt kind of like an elegant animator's palette crossed between like royal palace. That's kind of like what I think of it. Just because it felt so... Just like felt like you were in a studio and felt like you were somewhere special. That like you were really immersed into an environment. And I think that was done very well because it still felt elegant, but it had that Disney touch. So I enjoyed the food a lot. I had a mozzarella and tomato dish, which was delicious. And I think I had the truffle pasta, which was also amazing. And we ate a lot of desserts. I don't even remember what we got. We had maybe like (laughs) two or three of them. I closed my eyes during it. I couldn't remember like what we were eating, but it was so good. I, I really just like the changes they did as far as kind of like that Royal Palace type of restaurant on the ship. It felt very modern and cool and interesting and there was different food. And I think they really changed up the main dining food a lot on the ship. Well, we haven't talked about Worlds of Marvel yet. And what did you think of the show in Worlds of Marvel? And I think some folks mentioned repeatability might be an issue for that space, unlike in Animator's Palette today. What do you think of Worlds of Marvel? So I'm not really a big Marvel person, but my sister is. So that really helped me. She was teaching me everything the whole time. So each time the profiles came up, she said, that's the one from this show. I just know who Wanda is from WandaVision. So it's like, that's Wanda. So I was pointing at the screen. It was just really fascinating for me because I kind of have that perspective of someone who doesn't really watch Marvel or anything really pertaining to it. So it was like an educational session. I think, you know, there were some parts that felt like a little bit similar and there were some things I feel like I watched already during it but for the most part it was very entertaining just seeing the kids and how excited they got as they were seeing their favorite superheroes or even people that they've seen in the movies before and just calling their names out I think that was exciting and fun and just really engaging for dinner audience but also that fight scene by the aqua mouse I mean that was awesome I just love that 
yeah, I think they did a great job in in sort of making you feel a part of it by making it making the show, you know, being something that was actually happening on the cruise ship while you're eating. So I thought that was quite well well done. And sorry for the spoilers out there. We're we're keeping it to a minimum with this kind of information. So there's still plenty of fun stuff and surprises. So even if you're listening to this, I, we have not spoiled the entire experience for you. I promise you. <laughs> you know, Stephanie, one thing we forgot to ask up front, how many people were on your preview sailing? I'm not sure exactly how many, but I know it was not full capacity. I know we were definitely under... I can't necessarily remember the number, but it was not a lot of people. And it really felt that way. You know, on some of the ships where you can tell there's not a full cruise or there's not too many people, it definitely had that feeling. So I'm not sure exactly, but I know it was definitely not anywhere near full capacity. What did you think of the various bar spaces on board? And I'll save the hyperspace lounge, which is the subject of at least some controversy these days for last. But what did you think about the other bar spaces on board, like the Bayou and the Rose and Nightingales? I love the Bayou. I tried a beignet there and I never had one before. And it was such a cool experience. And I had, I think, maybe two to three, I'm not sure, maybe two and a half of them. So it was pretty good. And they were having us try out the various drink offerings and they were delicious. I can't remember what they were called, but I just know they tasted good. So that was good enough for me. But I loved the way it looked over there and they were playing some live music. So it felt like you're really there. I loved it. I think that's my favorite space by far. Did you get to experience any of the sort of specialty cocktails on board? So Nightingale's has that cocktail that I saw someone the other day say, I love drinking this drink out of a bird's butt. Uh, but uh, okay. <laughs> they're running out of those glasses on board anyway. You can get it in a regular martini glass. Did you get to experience any of the specialty drinks on board? I did taste the one there and it was so good. Like I remember, I think I had two little tasters of them and just delicious and so refreshing. I loved it. It was something like a, it was had like a milky texture. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I just know it tasted good. And that was enough for me. I was very happy with that. What? Okay. So what about hyperspace lounge then? Did you get a chance to go into hyperspace lounge? And what did you think? I barely got in there. I mean, it was hard. It was very challenging. And I just kind of like walked in with a bunch of people. And I was like, all right, this is my chance. Let's go. It was very, very, very cool. There's a lot going on in there, which was interesting. And I thought from the pictures be a little bit bigger. But I don't know, I got in there. And it was really interesting to see that there were booths. And there was just like little sitting areas. And you're in there for quite a while, just kind of tasting the different drinks and everything. And I think it's really cool for fans that want to have that kind of feeling that they're there and having the screen there with all the really cool motion graphics and all. Like I really liked it. I think for someone who's really interested in it, it would be even better. But for me, I thought it was fascinating. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's cool. I'm not a huge Brian and I both like Star Wars, but we're not like super fans. And I would say we thought it was cool, but I didn't feel like it was maybe lived up to the hype. Let me put it that way. Um, But I also have seen online a lot of people concerned about not being able to get a reservation. And I know that was an issue on the preview cruises, but it did not seem to really be an issue on the maiden voyage or the DVC charter. If you wanted a reservation, you could get one. Wasn't for us because we were toward the front. We thought we were toward the back of a very long line. We were actually toward the front of an even longer line. And so, but they have eased that problem. We did, at least someone is reporting now, or a couple of people have reported now that they have added reservations into the Disney Cruise Line app. So when once you are on ship's Wi-Fi, you can go in and book reservation times in the app for Hyperspace Lounge. They are limiting it to what they're calling one family reservation and one adult reservation per stateroom, per sailing. 
And so uh, the family reservation, at least on our sailing before 9 p.m., you could have kids in hyperspace lounge, even though it was a bar. It had not turned into an adults only space yet. And so the family reservation would allow you to bring kiddos into the lounge for your reservation seating. The adult only one uh, would obviously not and be uh, after that 9 p.m. cutoff. So at least they've added it into the app so you don't have to stand in line anymore. Although I have a feeling there will still be some lines. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Well, specific to the wish, and then I have uh, we have some more questions for you, Stephanie. Just compare contrast here, but specifically for the wish, I know we can't avoid talking about Sam's favorite subject, which is shows on board. Now, the preview cruises, I think, got preview showings of some of the shows. What what did you get to experience? I got to experience a little bit of Little Mermaid, just a little bit, but it was really cool and. I definitely was glad I was able to get in there. That was something that was kind of up in the air. And they randomly told everyone that it was like an hour away and people were rushing to the theater. It was so funny. So (laughs) it was definitely cool to be a part of something that wasn't even out yet. Just having that experience of seeing it. I don't even want to spoil it too much, but it was such a cool experience. I really liked it. I know there's criticism of it online and I saw I got to see the whole show. I only got I only saw it once. I only saw it on our on the maiden sailing. I did not go to it on the DVC because I got stuck doing some other well, not stuck, but I was trying to, you know, pack in too many things. Um and so was only able to see it that one time. I did see Seize the Adventure two times though. So <laughs> oh, I loved Seize the Adventure. I totally just blinked that I saw that and I loved it. So much fun. Did they do the pirate parlay deck party for the preview cruises at all? Yes, they did. And it was so exciting to see it back just in general because I haven't been in a sailing yet where I've been able to see the pirate party. So I was so excited to see it back. And what and what did you think? Was it a good was it a good change? Yeah, I mean, I think the way that they had the story go was so fun and so different from the other cruises and just anything I've seen in general. And people really were loving it. And I think that's really what they wanted. And just seeing the difference in the storyline and just all the different stunts and dances, that was definitely really cool and fun to be a part of. And did you get a chance to tour around the spa at all? And in particular the rainforest room, which uh, personally, I think is a great uh, a great upgrade to the other ships. But what did you think if you got a chance to see it? Yeah, so I was on one of the first tours of the spa right when they opened it up to everyone, and it was really just cool to see everyone's perspective because a lot of people have been on the Dream or Magic or even Wonder and saw those types of spas and even the difference to the fantasy. So we all went in not knowing anything about what it would look like, and I just couldn't even believe what I was seeing. It was so big and so open, which I really loved. And the deck difference; it's on deck five. That was just crazy to me. So seeing those different rooms that were so special and the rainforest and just like the lounge areas in the spa that were so relaxing where you could just sit down and unwind. That's just such a nice touch that they added because I feel like there are sitting areas in the other spas, but this one really opens it up and creates a lot more of a functionality for guests that come in. So I really enjoyed seeing all of that coming into play. And then that really cold room has a fancy name. I always forget it, but it was really... The Frigidarium. The Frigidarium. Yes. Frigidarium. I knew it was yeah. the butcher it, so I was like, I'm not going to be the one to butcher it. So, <laughs> yeah. I went in there after it was super hot because the ceremony was outside. So I just ran in. I was like, oh, this is so nice. I was in there just, you know, quote unquote, taking videos. So I was just, you know, spending some time in there relaxing. And then we went outside to, you know, that big area and everyone was just amazed by it, including me, just because it was so big and it was round and you really could just 
walk wherever you wanted to go. And it was gorgeous. A lot of people were taking pictures on it and it looked so pretty. So it was one of those aesthetically pleasing areas on the ship that I think was a big win for Disney. Well, Stephanie, I'm curious, you have experience sailing aboard other cruise lines and you obviously have a ton of experience sailing aboard other Disney ships. You know, how does the wish compare for you both to some of the other Disney ships you've sailed on and some of the other cruise line ships you've sailed on? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because the first time I went on the dream, I felt like it was humongous compared to the magic and even the ceilings. Like I felt so overwhelmed the first time and I thought it was so cool and so innovative and different because the magic and the wonder, they were all I knew. And going on the dream was just such a crazy different experience. And now shifting to the wish, but after having all this experience on different cruise lines, I think it's definitely playing into the big ship type of vibe for sure. It's really showcasing the type of type of items and type of things I'm seeing on bigger ships, such as those new features in the spa, but also those more focused entertainment group areas like the Hero Zone or just things that you wouldn't necessarily find on the Dream that are kind of like bigger and grander. And just it makes the hallways feel a little bit longer and it makes things get a little bit longer to go to like back and forth. So I think it's definitely has that big ship type of feeling, but still like the small ship aesthetic where you kind of know where things are generally, but still bigger than what you've previously been on with Disney. So it definitely, it compares, it compares a lot to that big ship feeling. But I think if you're going from the dream to the wish, it might be a little bit much at first, but you know, kind of getting your bearings is important. But and then going to the magic and then going from magic to wish is a big jump. So I feel like it's very different. But at the same time, it has that charm that the other ships has, which kind of pulls us in. I love that about it. And comparing to other cruise lines, it definitely has a big ship feeling with all the things that you have in a big ship, like all the restaurants and a lot more options as far as where to go and what to do during the day. So I think that it's definitely interesting to see kind of the comparisons between all of them across the line. Anything that Disney did that you looked at and said, I wish they had done that differently, or or let me say it differently. We know they're taking feedback from this ship to build ship six uh, and ship seven. And so if you could tell them, hey, here's three things I think you got to do differently on those next two ships based on what you've done on the wish, what, what would they be? I think one touch point that a lot of people would agree on is the elevator situation with the buttons. If you hover over them or if you lean back, they all start lighting up. I don't know if that happened on your sailing at all, but that was something that people were getting really, you know, kind of tense about. They went the other direction on our sailing. So they seem to have turned the sensitivity of the buttons down to the point where they've just, you have to touch them. They're no longer like, if you you hovered, they would kind of start to do something, but you ended up just having to touch the button like a regular elevator button. Although when when I was in the elevator, one person did kind of lean back towards them and did light up a bunch of them. So it it was um, really sensitive yeah i wish they would just eliminate i I think they should just eliminate the buttons altogether and go to the system where you you walk up to a panel you tell it what floor you want to go to it groups people in elevators by where they're headed and it would also solve the problem on the back of the ship there's only a couple of elevators that go all the way up to decks uh was it 12 13 13 and 14 yeah so you end up like i saw a crew member one day somebody was getting the elevator to go up to those decks and they're getting the wrong one and he said something to oh if you wait those other elevators are coming i'm like it's like playing elevator roulette like you don't know if those elevators are going to come so like i'm going to go to deck 11 in this elevator and walk up rather than wait to see how long it's going to take for that other so i think building those touch panels in would would solve these issues and make make the elevator banks more efficient so hopefully hopefully they'll go that direction yeah i think another thing for me is what i mentioned with 
Pike Cove, I think that changing kind of the way that's laid out on the next ship and making it bigger and just the focus of being less crammed in there, I think that's something that a lot of adults would appreciate. I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think that would be a really good pointer. I 100% agree. I went back there one time. I stayed for maybe 20 minutes. It just it felt overrun. It can get that way on the dream and the fantasy in that area because the pool is a little smaller. So that pool area can get pretty full. On the Wonder, uh, at least, we haven't been on the Magic. We'll be on the Magic next month. But on the Wonder, at least, it feels like the adult pool area doesn't get as crowded. But that's a big pool. And so it takes up a ton of space. So I agree with you. They need to find some way to make that space bigger. But I don't know how they do it in the current layout of the of the ship. I mean, something else I did notice, I don't know if you guys were around that hot tub where you walk right into Quiet Cove and there's a hot tub right there. Have you guys seen that mm-hmm. area just right on the side? Yeah. yeah. So I was in there with my sister. We were hearing the Aqua Mouse like on repeat over and over and over. <laughs> so I don't know if that's something they're going to like edit or something, but it was really loud. <laughs> It's part of Quiet Cove, technically, so I would assume they're going to probably try to make some changes over there. But that's something I definitely noticed. Yeah. Yeah. The not so quiet area of Quiet Cove. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not a huge thing, but yeah. So I have one last question for you. With five ships in the fleet, Stephanie, give us your ranking. What's your order from, from favorite to least favorite on Disney Cruise Line? Okay. The dream is my favorite. And then I think next would be Magic. And then Wish fantasy wonder. Wow. All right. I like that everything's kind of mixed up. It didn't like go from newer ships to older ships or smaller ships. That, that you make, Yeah, you really, it sounds like you have some very particular reasons why you like these ships. I do. I associate <laughs> the ships with memories a lot and just things that I enjoy doing. And I think that's kind of why I have that, that perspective. Stephanie, it's been a blast talking to you. I know that you work for Porthole Cruise Magazine, and uh, we follow along with your adventures on various spots. You want to let folks know where they can find you and connect with you? Yeah, of course. You can follow us on Instagram at Porthole Cruise or at Cruise Control VP or head to porthole.com. We're actually doing a giveaway right now for Celebrity Cruise. So if you go onto porthole.com, and vote in the RCAs, you will get put in. So definitely go ahead and do that. And thank you guys so much for having me. I had such a great time. That's fantastic, Stephanie. Thank you so much again for coming on. We really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you both. As always, thank you so much out there for listening to our bonus show this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can keep getting great content from the DCL Duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews. And if you leave us a written review, we will read it on the air in our main show each and every week. We love connecting with you, our listeners, and hearing your feedback. So head over there, leave us a review. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also connect with our show via our voice mail line. If you'd like to send us a question, a comment, or otherwise have us address your feedback on the air, then just leave us a message at 402-413-5590. That's 402-413-5590. If you'd like even more great content from the DCL Duo, you can always browse to youtube.com slash DCL Duo for our vlog. If you'd like to help support the show, you can always browse to patreon.com slash DCL Duo and choose from one of our monthly support tiers. Really do appreciate each and every one of our Patreons out there for making this show happen each and every month. We also really appreciate our amazing show sponsor, My Path Unwinding Travel. So if you're looking to book your next fabulous Disney vacation, head over to www.mypathunwinding.com slash DCL Duo to book your next fabulous vacation. Use that link so they know the DCL Duo sent you. 
The DCL Duo podcast is not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Disney Company, or the Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of Disney Cruise Line or the Disney Company. If you have questions about a Disney cruise or a Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night. Good night.